0: Do you care about supporting small business? I do. Do you care about supporting women in business? Man, I really do. Do you care about excellent customer service? I think it's a dying art, and I really, really support it. That's why I support Paco Collars. They hit all of these bases and then some. My dogs wear gorgeous handcrafted leather collars from them, And I get to support a company that I really believe in. So if you believe in the same stuff I do, get over to PacoCollars.com, order the best dog collar you've ever had with a lifetime guarantee, and don't forget to enter the promo code COGDOG for free shipping. You guys, Worked Up Camp is happening again, and this time it's out east. September 6th through the 8th, write it down, save the date, we'll get you the details very soon. Hey guys, Uh, today I want to just kind of talk about the two classes that I'm going to teach for Fensi Dog Sports Academy uh, coming up April 1st, the April term. Um, Registration opens March 22nd, so you want to be ready to go, uh, ready to sign up for whatever you want to take next term. And the reason I wanted to spend a whole podcast on this is because the two classes I'm teaching are sort of the unsung heroes of my material. And I think they're both important, um, but they tend not to be kind of as sought after or as talked about as worked up. So they kind of take a second, you know, play second fiddle to worked up. And so the first one is arousal layering games. And I teach it about once a year and I call it the sister course to worked up. If you've taken worked up, you've done worked up in person it's really a good idea to take a Rosalair in games um if you took it before at bronze um i want to encourage you to think about a gold spot you'd probably be even better in a gold spot because you know what the course looks like but know that i'm adding material this time so i'm adding some new material and i'm also kind of rebooting the existing games to just kind of elevate the material Because I created Arousal Layering Games way back when I started Worked Up. And then I went around the world and I taught a lot of these games to people. And I taught them to my own dogs. And I just, it's time for me to elevate that material. So I'm working on it right now. And if you've already had the class before, don't worry because it's in your library. And it will update in your library when the course is over. But it won't until the course is over. So if you can't wait, you could grab a bronze spot um, so what is a in games? It's about teaching the dog to think under different conditions. So teaching the dog to respond the way that we have trained them to respond under different conditions. And those conditions might be just that things are more exciting. Maybe there's a dog running over there. Um, maybe there's the sounds of agility happening or maybe I'm using a toy instead of food. So it's basically about teaching the dog to continue to be able to think and respond the way that we expect them to be able to under a lot of different conditions. What I'm going to add to it though is a little bit more about using reinforcers to add pressure to our behaviors with intention and If you've done Worked Up 2.0 or Worked Up Alumni Day, and these are in-person programs, um, this concept might sound familiar to you. I teach it a lot in uh, those in-person programs. So those are for people who've taken Worked Up before in-person and they want to elevate their worked up skills when I return to an area to teach. Um, I'm teaching Worked Up 2.0 in Connecticut in May. So if you're interested in that, you can shoot uh, Casey an email, uh, which is at inspirationcanine at gmail.com, or you can send me an email as well and we'll get you the right information. But if you've been to that program, you're, under, you're familiar with this concept. But if you haven't, adding pressure with our reinforcers is the smartest way to begin to add pressure to um, a behavior. And when I say pressure, I essentially mean what we think of as proofing, right? So we're just adding different different bits of information, um, different circumstances, and then testing the behaviors under those circumstances. So Hannah Brannigan calls this uh, fluency enhancement, and I really like that better than the word proofing, because um, proofing can have a lot of baggage for us who were kind of born in competitive obedience a long time ago. Um... So we're going to talk about adding reinforcer, using reinforcers to add pressure with intention, meaning if I, you know, can you complete the weave poles with a toy laying out in front of the weave poles? And if the answer is no, then I'm going to ask, can you do it if there's food in a dish out in front of the weave poles? And if the answer is still no, then I'm going to say, what about an empty dish? So, and ideally we'd start with that empty dish and build up, which is what I'm going to teach you to do in the course, but that's essentially how to add pressure with our reinforcers and what's smart about adding pressure with reinforcers is that you have more control over them than the environmental pressures that that be and that might come into play for your dog in sports Um, we're also going to talk about consent um being layered into the process so if you took worked up um you're familiar with start button behavior you're familiar with asking the dog if they're okay to continue and having a process to do so But a lot of you guys ask me, you know, what if we're doing weave pulls, do we go through that whole thing, the whole arousal testing and soothing procedure, follow, you know, ending with that start button between each rep, because that's going to take forever. And the answer is no, you don't. But there's a really specific way that we can make sure we're getting consent between repetitions and that we can make sure that we know if what we're asking is really hard and maybe it's a good idea to back off a little bit. So there's going to be a little more talk about that. the course and that'll be new. I also want to teach you how to be a better splitter because what I just mentioned about bowl to food in bowl to toy you know that's splitting that down and we can split it even finer and if the dog can't go from food in bowl to toy then what and if you're coming up blank here it's because you aren't good enough at splitting and splitting is a muscle you've just got to work it to make it stronger. A lot of the times when you pay a trainer to help you, that's what you're paying them for, is their better splitting muscle than yours. If if it's a good trainer that you're hiring, that's what you're paying for, is that they're just more familiar with the splitting process and they're going to be better at splitting and that separates um, kind of mediocre trainers from great ones a lot of the time. So we're going to talk about how to be a better splitter and how to kind of use those creative energies that you do have to get to solve your own problems and then understand that arousal layering games are just games to teach a larger skill I think a lot of times people get confused about the games because they think well but Sarah I can't use the game on course to control my dog and the answer is you know nobody ever intended for you to use the game on course to control your dog the football player does not um you know run through a set of tires on the ground you know going back and forth to get down the field i'm absolutely showing my ignorance about football right now but You know what I mean? There are ladder and agility type exercises for football players to help them do their job better on the field. That's what arousal layering games are. They're not intended for you to insert them into your actual agility run or your obedience run or your nose work run. They are intended to help your dog deal better with outside pressures so that they can then um, handle maybe more unexpected pressures better because if my dog can do weave poles with a ball on a rope hanging on every single pole, then he can do weave poles if the building is falling down because that is a big deal for him. But getting him there takes arousal layering and it takes being a good splitter and that's where the class comes in. Arousal layering games also apply to any sport. But do keep in mind that my primary sport is agility and my secondary sport is obedience. So if your sport is underwater basket weaving for dogs, um, you're going to have to help me understand your sport in order to um, have the course material make sense for you. And sometimes what that means is you getting creative on the games so that you can insert them into whatever your sport is. So keep that in mind. And so that's Arousal Layering Games. It's in the behavior. It's in the school of behavior. And again, uh, registration is March 22nd. That's at FENZI, F-E-N-Z-I, dogsportsacademy.com. The other course that I'm teaching in April is Hidden Potential. And you guys have heard me talk about Hidden Potential before. Um, it's the course that I created for dogs that are kind of on the other end of the spectrum from the worked up dogs. So what does that mean? It means the dogs that, you know, when their feelings become too much for them, they sniff, they check out, they shut down, they quit, they hide, that kind of thing. Rather than when a worked up dog's feelings become too much for him, he might spin, bark, bite, body pummel, etc. His his reactions to his feelings are big and loud whereas the more hidden potential type dog um, in just kind of goes inside himself when he's having those big feelings and shuts down so but hidden potential is unlike worked up in that worked up is essentially a formula it is a step-by-step process that is pretty easy for people to follow once they understand it And it is effective. Um, It's had, you know, it's a successful program for a reason. It's not because it doesn't work. Hidden potential isn't like that. Um, I just told somebody in an email that hidden potential is a philosophical meander, (laughs) um, not a formula. And if you're willing to come and meander with me through your dog's current issues and experiences then it's definitely the class for you. But understand that if you send me an email about Hidden Potential, which you guys, by the way, now is the time to do. If you're preparing to take a class in April, send me those emails now. When I get those emails on the day of registration or after, the gold spots are always full at that time. So you're going to want to be sending me those emails now if you're hoping for that gold spot. Hidden potential is it's about treating the overall condition, not the symptoms of the condition. And a lot of people, back to that email piece, a lot of people will send me an email and say, my dog does this. So my dog sniffs during an agility run. Or my dog um, will just sit and not recall on the recall in obedience. Or, you know, my dog... We'll just kind of get off track and start sniffing elsewhere in nose work, you know, or maybe my dog runs zoomies around the ring, which class works for me worked up or hidden potential, or, um, I've had dogs that hide in tunnels, I've had dogs that, um, yeah, just simply become sticky or will not move. Or maybe they just check out from your training sessions and go elsewhere and won't train. Understand that what you're telling me are symptoms. And that Hidden Potential as a course does not address symptoms. We, I'm certainly happy to talk to you in your gold spot about your symptoms and about applying the things that you're learning to help treat those symptoms. But understand, again, that the philosophical meander that is Hidden Potential is about treating the, um, kind of holistically approaching the entire relationship, which is a little bit broken. And that's true for him potential and worked up. That's true for all all of the things that I teach. But and know that when I say the relationship is broken, I don't mean that you and your dog are broken. You and your dog love each other, and that's that's all we need to begin. But the training relationship is what's broken, or the competing relationship. And those are that's an important distinction to make. Um And so it's healing our dogs in kind of this big picture way. And it's usually taking a hard look at your training. um, Taking a hard look at your dog's health. And overall behavioral health as well. And it's about not being afraid to ask the tough questions. And then equally being as brave about the tough answers that you might get. So... I will tell you this, um, I allow 12 working spots, 12 gold spots, and every single time I have run Hidden Potential for the Academy, um, for fancy Dog Sports Academy, I've had one working spot, one gold spot dog who had a health concern that was causing these problems. Every time, there's at least one. And people are stunned when I say that, and that's big numbers, you guys. One out of 12... And those are only the working spots. That's not considering the silver and the bronze level. Um, The bronze, I would have no idea. The silver sometimes doesn't show up with the health concern. Although some, once I did have a silver say, hey, you know, thanks for talking about the health check because I just found this thing wrong with my dog. So it's not being afraid of those answers. So make sure your dog is healthy first. It's where we start in the class anyway, so you may as well get a jump start on it, go see the vet, get a full blood panel, et cetera, et cetera. But um, then we're going to ask some tough questions. We're going to say, what's your training relationship look like? What's your competing relationship look like? Are your competitive goals simply mismatched to the dog that is here in front of you being trained by you now? You know, that's a big question sometimes. Is the sport simply not right for the dog Um, sometimes agility especially is physically too difficult for some of the dogs that we choose to do agility with there are a lot of breeds I know that we kind of perpetuate this idea of agility as the sport for all breeds the sport for all dogs and it's really not true there are a lot of breeds for whom it is physically too hard and they might be able to do it when they're super young but they they might tap out around four or five because it just becomes physically too difficult for them to do anymore. We will talk about that if that is your issue. And I, 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 I do my best to be kind and compassionate. And I the feedback that I get in the surveys is that I am kind and compassionate. And then I do care about my students' experiences. But when I say that Hidden Potential is the hardest class that I teach, I do not mean it is the heaviest workload because it's not. That's Fix-It. I just wrapped up Fix-It. <laughs> um, Fix-It is is fast becoming my favorite class. I adore that class, but it is a boatload of work for me. Um, Hidden potential is emotionally hard for me. Um, It is this, like I said, it's a philosophical meander. I ask you guys to go on a walk with me and explore every corner of what is going on between you and your dog. and It can be... Super rewarding and amazing and the dogs turn around and everything goes wonderful. And it can also be that we found out together that your dog has a thyroid condition or a heart condition um, or something else. I, there have been numerous different health problems show up in this course. It can also be that you and your dog kind of decide together because you start to ask him his opinions that the sport you chose isn't what he wants to do but that he might really like to do this other sport and then you two go down that path together. Um, so there's a lot of different ways that this course can go but it always it's always very interesting. It always has the, a huge, huge variety of gold spots. Um And it's important to me, I wouldn't keep teaching it if I didn't think it was a really important course that people needed. And I tend to get that feedback every time I run it. We really just dive deep into um, your training relationship, your training skills, your competitive relationship, your competitive skills, uh, your dog's health and your dog's mental health. And we hit all those bases. And so I hope that you'll come on that philosophical meander with me if you haven't yet. Um, Even if you don't have a hidden potential dog, I'd really recommend getting a bronze spot because especially if you work in the field of training, uh, sport dogs and their people or even pet dogs and their people, because there's a lot there um, and the philosophical meander, I think might be something that you're into if you're a podcast listener. So don't forget Sign up is March 22nd at FensiDogSportsAcademy.com, and I hope to see you in class. Thanks for listening to CogDog Radio. If you have questions or suggestions, shoot them over to CogDogRadio at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to like the CogDog Radio Facebook page, and until next time, happy training!